Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. We were going to be doing around the world. I mean, I had visions of grandeur because it was right in my hand. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, broadcasting from the campus, Southeastern Louisiana University. We are still in the midst of our extended summer show. Every July, I go out of my way to find as many interviews as I can to cover up the month. And for today, I have got one that I think it's amazing that this person spoke to me. And I hope you find the show amazing as well. We're going to talk today to Noel Monk. Ring a bell? The name ring a bell? Hmm? Noel Monk was the manager of Van Halen from 1978 through the 1984 tour. This is the guy that took four people from Pasadena, California and turned them into arguably the greatest rock band at that time. And he's written a book. It's called Running with the Devil, A Backstage Pass to the Wild Times, Loud Rock, and the Down and Dirty Truth Behind the Making of Van Halen. And this book does not hold back. It does not pull any punches, and neither does Noel in our interview. So for an hour today, the manager of Van Halen, Noel Monk on Rock School. On the phone, Noel Monk, stage manager at Woodstock, manager for the Sex Pistols, but the reason I want to speak to him today, he was the manager 78 to 84 of Van Halen. Noel Monk, thank you for sitting here and speaking with us. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Excellent. Hey, congratulations on the book. Let me tell the title once again. Uh, Running with the Devil, A Backstage Pass to the Wild Times, Loud Rock, and the Down and Dirty Truth Behind the Making of Van Halen. Uh, as, as I've said on this radio show numerous times, there may be a bigger Van Halen fan out there, but they'd have to prove it. Let's talk the band. Do you mind? Absolutely. Let's Excellent. go. Uh, I have one quick question for you, Noel. How the hell are you still alive? That's a good question. <laughs> Actually, I, I I googled myself and I found out that I was dead in about eight years ago. Well, um, you should have been dead at the end of '85. Well, I worked hard on not doing that. I didn't want to mess up my family life, but it was it was pretty. I had a wonderful ride. I mean, we're talking about years, 25, 30 years of rock and roll, starting with Summerstock to Bill Graham. He was my mentor. And we're talking now the Grateful Dead, the Who, the Airplane. I did. I still want to marry Grace Slick. I have to say that. <laughs> we all have dreams. 
Hey, have, um, you, have you seen today that David Lee Roth made a uh, made a comment on the book? Have you seen that yet today? I did, and I thought it was extremely nice of him. You know, David was was an absolute the best front man I'd ever dealt with. Hardest working. He'd spend an hour, hour and a half before a show stretching. And you hear about football players, how they get hamstrings and, you know, having seen hundreds of shows, not once did he pull a hamstring. Anyhow, what was your question? Well, here's the thing. Right at the beginning, this was when you were discussing you had not yet heard of Van Halen. And you make a statement about how hard the manager of a band works. And I just had to ask you about it. You said when you were managing the Sex Pistols, the number one band in the United States was Fleetwood Mac. And you made the statement in the book, I didn't know who they were. How is it possible you are that wrapped up in your own band? In the music business that you don't know who the number one band is simple you hire me to work for a band whether it's it was chunky novi and ernie or the death school or the sex pistols what am i gonna do go listen to seven other bands i could care less joe hmm. i care about the band i'm working on and they, the rest of them have nothing to do with me. <laughs> My emphasis is on the band I'm working on. You know, so when Carl Scott, who was the vice president of Borders Development at Warner Brothers, came to me with this, huh, it's a great band, Noel. I said, yeah, okay. And we had done a lot of bands together. And I said, well, you know, who are they? He said, Van Halen. <laughs> who? He said, uh, who? <laughs> exactly. I said, oh, who, who, who's that? He said, you're kidding. And I was living half in New York and half in L.A. And I didn't know who the bloody heck Van Halen was. <laughs> it was a good name. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, didn't mean nothing to me. I had just come off the Sex Pistol tour. I mean, my best friend was Sid. You know, after the first day, I had a room with him, and I loved it. We got along really well. We sit and drink our schnapps and pop our Valiums and try and keep him under control. How are you still alive? I, <laughs> it's all those vitamins. Yeah, I see. I am literally shocked at some and again I've I've been a van, fan of Van Halen since I mean since my teens and I'm 50 plus 
I am shocked at the portrayal of the band members in in the book. They had a fantastic ability to keep us believing a, a, a different way. You state that Dave was not a fighter and was afraid of flying when he was this great front guy. Eddie was constantly bombed, yet could do these shows. And Michael Anthony never opened his mouth. I, I, I mean, how can I be this big a fan and not know these men the way they are? Well, you got to understand. You put all these herbs and elements into them before a show, during a show, after a show. They never messed up a show on me. I mean, Joe, this was a Titus band. Um, they were brilliant. You had Edward, one of like, the finest guitar players, and you had David Roth, who you tell me a, a a guy who can jump off a drum riser, go 15 feet in the air, and do a split. I can't. And 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 not end up in the hospital. I can't. He was the most dynamic, and his raps, a lot of people don't realize it, but a lot of them were very similar. But he changed them. And... Each show was a little different. It wasn't like a lot of bands you see that, oh, yeah, I heard that exactly. You know, David was, was you know, improvisation. The guy was, was, you know, and as far as being afraid to fly, I'm sorry, but anyone says I'm not is full of it. <laughs> You know, you know, lie to me. Tell me you, you you don't mind when that plane goes 45 degrees off the ground. Let's let's talk, Michael Anthony. I never expected. That, that he would be the, the sort of quiet, never-fight-back kind of guy that you, that you suggested in the book. And you also said that he signed a contract giving away royalties. Why would he do that? I was going to ask you that question. Why would he do it? I will, I will never understand. He gave away tens of millions of dollars in the middle of the 84 tour and i think i described it pretty well we were having dinner david was on a raggy mood and uh al was well was his normal drunk self and <laughs> edward was his egoed out i'm feeling my superstardom and um, it's 84. Edward said something, you know, I don't know why you're getting what we're getting. You don't write, and, and you don't, you make the music. Um, and David came around behind him, and I described it, I think, pretty clearly. He took a plate of food and smashed it down on Michael's plate. And glass and everything went everywhere. Mm. 
I mean, I was shocked. These guys had been together for years. You don't do that. And then Al gets up with, yeah, what do you do, Michael? And I'm thinking, this son of a He doesn't write music. He doesn't write lyrics. He does nothing. He doesn't have a brilliant voice. He's a good drummer, a lot of good drummers, but he's Edward's brother, and he played off of that. He lived off of his Velcro to Edward's coattails, and you couldn't fire him, you know, and he knew it, and Edward was, by that time, you know, doing so much coke. And Al just plain took advantage of him. Uh, I explained how in the end, he said, I can't fight with him anymore. Because Al was relentless. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was a vicious son of a mm-hmm. You know, for him to say that to Michael, gotta have some strong on you we have to take our first break but we'll be back in one minute to continue speaking with noel monk author of the book running with the devil a backstage pass to the wild times loud rock and the down and dirty truth behind the making of van halen back in a minute on rock school the contract they made uh, Michael sign? All right. They equally got uh, a quarter, each one of them. And in the middle of the tour, they decided they wanted me to get the lawyer to write up a contract, which literally gave away all the royalties for the 84 album. One they were touring on, that was done that over the years made them millions. I remember they were in my room and Al, Ed, David always came to me when they had a problem. You know, when their was dribbling, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Michael never came to me. I would have straight up said to Michael, go tell him to screw themselves. Tell them you're taking tonight off and tear that up and throw it in their face. He never came to me. He signed it, didn't he? He gave away his royalties. He signed it. He gave away his royalties for 84 and thereafter. Mm. Hey, Noel, this is going to be an almost impossible question, but you were with them 78 to 84, through 84, into 85. Can you pinpoint where it all started to go wrong? Because you kept saying in the book, 
This could be the biggest band in the world. They could be playing stadiums and people still waiting outside, but they did it to themselves. Can you pinpoint, man, where it all started to just come off the wheels? Yeah, pretty much. When? I would say by 80, 82, we did that, that, that wonderful tour of South America. It was the most fun tour I think we ever did. It was relaxed. We had the wives. It was just the best tour. And then we did 84. Mm -hmm. And by that point, Al, I've never seen anyone drink what he could drink. And then start the party. He'd come <laughs> to our room at nine in the morning and wake us up and say, Ah, Jim, I want to party as he is drinking the whole mini bar. Two vodkas, two scotches, couple of beers, couple of brandies. Me, I would have been throwing up out the window at this point. Me too. Me too. Al was just getting started. And, um, you know, and at this point, he was starting to get mean. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it had to do um, with the fact, Joe, that you had a brother and a younger brother. How would you like your younger brother to be an absolute genius? And you were the older brother, but you were a a good drummer. But that was it. You think that wore on his mind that hard that oh, it turned him? Of course it did. After a year or two, I don't think Al ever got the cover of Pink Sheet Music Magazine. You know, we got a magazine in 86, you know, because a brilliant drummer, I think not. His brother, a brilliant guitar player, I think one of the best to ever live. Now you live with that. Hey, let me, ask, let me ask you this. David, if I read the book correctly, was suggesting heavily that, that Van Halen was coming to an end and that you manage his solo career. Why didn't you simply do that? I mean, I know it was the end of Van Halen, but look, you got to eat. You got to, you got to, you know, keep Yeah, up. there's just so much you can take, Joe. You know, at a certain point, you can't take anymore. Had David and I gotten along to a point, uh, I could have managed his career and made it work. But you don't quite understand how difficult that man could be. Mind you, I love the guy half the time <laughs> you know he'd walk in the office and I would always wonder which one came in mm -hmm. the nice guy 
or the one that's gonna bury a hatchet in your head. Hmm. Well, Let me ask you. Let me ask you one question. It isn't in the book. It's just your opinion. I often wondered if the reason the band sort of exploded was because both Eddie and Dave were correct. Dave put out these silly covers, "Oh Pretty Woman," "Dancing in the Street," and it worked. Eddie put out the originals, and it worked. For a while there, no matter what the band did, it worked. So they were both right. They were. And it were, tore them apart. And yeah. it could have worked. Take away Edward, who was wimpish. I begged him when he was doing the Beat It album, take a point. Do you know what that point was worth to him? No. What would it have been, what would it have been worth? Millions. Huh. And he would say, Oh, no, I love Michael. Yeah, Michael loves you, too. Because he's not paying you a dime. Hmm. You're a sucker. And I do that in the office five or six times. I could not convince him. Just hmm. take half a point. It's just beyond my comprehension. <laughs> Noel, I wanted to ask you about that. It all came to a screeching halt in 1985, but I, I, let me ask you first about the 84 tour. You said you were on your way to being the biggest band in the world, and I agree with you completely there. I had heard that the 84 tour, tell me if I'm right or not, carried the most equipment, the most lights, the most anything of any band around. It was on purpose the biggest traveling circus around. Is that true? Absolutely. I mean, we started out in, in 78 as a baby band. By 81, 82, we were growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, you got to understand, the two people behind a lot of the creativity... The videos, I mean, was Peter Angelus and David Roth. Mm -hmm. They were the brains behind those seminal videos. It was their ideas. Uh, me, I was working in the office doing my booking and doing this. I was, you know, the, the producer, but producers just get money it's time to take our second break but we will return with more from noel monk manager of van halen from 1978 through 1984's tour back in a minute on rock school When I got them out of their Warner Brothers contract, 
Do you know how many millions I made them? It, it had to be insane because they had signed, as just about every new band does, they had signed a horrible contract, but they were a moneymaker for the company, so the company had to go along with that. Well, yeah, except I broke the deal. That's when I said I threw sand in their eyes. Mm-hmm, right. It was a $20, $40 million raise. Wow. Over the years, more. And do you know how happy they were? They weren't. All these things come together, and you've done everything you can possibly do. You've broken a contract without a lawyer. My lawyer said, that'll never work. No, I said, watch it. And it worked. And I had a t-shirt company making, we would make 25 cents on the dollar going to Bill Graham's company, Winterland. That had to Having be, my own company, I was making 50 cents on the dollar. That had to be jillions of dollars. It was tons. And I was just starting to make it. I was at the cusp of breaking it wide open. And it was all gone in a flash. I have no. to I have to congratulate you one more time on the book. Uh, I enjoyed I'll it let you front do to back. That. Oh I'm yeah, not a bad guy. I loved I loved <laughs> it front to back. Um, you know, I, I I I probably read it in three sittings. It's an easy read, and I got to tell you, it's it's shockingly how do I say this? It's shockingly honest. These things are always sort of held back as to not hurt the people that are named within the story. You tell the story warts and all, Noel. How else are you honest in the story? How do you let everyone know after all these years what really happened? I got a really good memory, and I was writing for all those years. And then I got Joe... Matt Harper at HarperCollins. I got a brilliant publicist, Katie. And we put together my wife and my daughter. My wife's a better writer than I am. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And I learned from my first book the mistakes I made. One of them is write about a book that people care about. Yeah. <laughs> and they do about this one. Noel, it's a knockout. Let me say the name of it again. Running with the Devil, a backstage pass to the wild times, loud rock, and the down and dirty truth behind the making of Van Halen. Even if you don't like Van Halen, read the book for just the idea of what it takes to take a band from four guys to the pinnacle of success and try to hold it all together, which you did. Thank you. Yeah, it was... You know, and i tell you right off the bat, this was a fun interview. I felt really at home. Superb. You got a way about you. <laughs> well, thank You're you. Really good. I mean, you brought out things in me that a lot of people don't bring out. And you're very incisive. 
and you really understand. A lot of people don't get it. You get it. I love it. And it's fun to work with a guy like you, Joe. Anytime. You got my number. I do. And if something comes up, you want to know what happened with Janice Joplin, I used to pour Southern Comfort on uh, the Grateful Dead were my best buddies. If you want to know something, call me up. You no. don't have to even have me on the air. No, I'm going to do that. Don't don't suggest it if you don't mean it. Uh, how can I not mean it? I'll tell him. I'm just say it. I'm a storyteller. I remember <laughs> it. All, All right. right. You All right, my friend. Rock and roll. And have a couple vodkas for me. Every intention of it. And um, thank you. Thank you. A nice, enjoyable afternoon. Well spent. There you go. Have a great day, Noel. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.